This is Jim Weber, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is the CEO of Brooks Running Company, Jim Weber. Jim joined the company as CEO in 2001 and is credited for the company's aggressive turnaround story. We discuss his career and new book, Running With Purpose, during this episode. Jim, welcome to Five Questions. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's great to be here. Well, I'd like to get started just kind of figuring out your past and your inspiration for the company. What was the original inspiration for being in the shoe business and creating this brand? I had a journey that took me to consumer products, Dan. I, I started out actually in banking, but went to Pillsbury. The Coleman Company got me into the outdoors and sporting goods. I was actually on the board at Brooks and, and I would come in as the CEO. It was the fourth company I would run. And for me, A, I was excited because I'd been a runner since I quit playing competitive sports at age 20. But B, I saw an opportunity to build a brand. And by that time in my career, I really wanted to be part of a team that was building something. So the day I got to Brooks, I literally wrote on my whiteboard a Disraeli quote that I love, the secret to success is constancy of purpose. I was just going to focus and hunker down and try to build a brand with this team instead of just, you know, turning it around and being there for a couple of years, which I had done. So I have my dream job because we had the opportunity to build a brand. I I actually hated running back in the day when I was in high school playing soccer because I was forced to run three miles a day, which right now doesn't seem even that much <laughs> compared to what I, I run like three to five. But now I've enjoyed running because it's on my own terms and it's my way to kind of get away from work and everything else and kind of be in my own head and think of ideas and where I want to do. So I've learned to enjoy it. And it must be so incredible to be building a team and then watching them as they grow over the years and kind of take some of your principles and put them into action. But you've encountered some pretty significant challenges like cancer and steering your company out of bankruptcy. How did you navigate these challenges and overcome them? I think everybody gets to know themselves really, really well when you hit a challenge. And I think companies are the same way, Dan. I think as we've had to navigate challenges at Brooks, you come back to the core essence of, you know, what you're all about as a team, as an organization, as a brand. And having that purpose and that North Star in front of us, both personally and in the business, I think has just been so important because when you hit tough times, there's almost no playbook. I always had to create a plan or I couldn't sleep at night. Same with, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer. I think once I had a plan, I was on it and uh, energized to navigate through it all. Yeah, challenges are part of life. And I think one of the things at Brooks that's really served us well is just to keep our eye on the focus of we chose runners as our core customer and following them around and understanding where they're going has just been such a critical benefit as we navigated challenges. So I don't think there's one answer for it, but you know, once you're there, you got to figure it out. And I talked to a lot of leaders over the past few years. Years, we did a huge global study with Oracle and found that COVID was the biggest challenge in the history of all executives and CEOs. Yeah, everyone was kind of in together. So people formed support groups mm -hmm. to kind of figure out best practices to navigate through. And I think that big challenges that you face, they prepare you for the future because it's not like in five years or 10 years, you're not going to you know, encounter other challenges, whether professionally or personally. Now a word from our sponsor. Want to become a better leader but don't have the time to enroll in a traditional two-year MBA? 
The Invited MBA offers a 12-week mini-MBA as an accelerated solution for upskilling in the ever-evolving business world. Over 900 global alumni at companies such as GE, Southwest Airlines, and Coca-Cola have enhanced their business skills through the Invited MBA program. If you're an ambitious professional or aspiring leader looking to invest in your career, request an application now at invitedmba.com and receive a $200 tuition credit by mentioning this podcast. And now back to the show. And how did you attract the attention of Warren Buffett and what have you learned from him? When I first met him in roughly 2011, I told him that he'd been mentoring me for over 20 years from afar because I'd read everything he'd done. I I got introduced to him through a competitive business that didn't do well in competing with one of his. And so I started to read his reports. And so as we were building Brooks, um, we've had four owners since I've been here. And the third one was Fruit of the Loom. It was a Berkshire Hathaway company. I had a thought that Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett would both appreciate, you know, what we were doing at Brooks and and really focusing on our customer, being who we were, not chasing shiny things, not chasing competitors, but really trying to create a brand in a very distinctive, hopefully defendable way. And it's a good business now. It wasn't when we we started, but now it's a a great business and, and that allows us to continue to compete effectively over the long haul. So I thought that he might, you know, like what we were doing at Brooks and that turned out to be the case. Pretty massive endorsement, I would say. What key leadership principles do you think are key to managing today's workforce? When it comes to managing people, the bar is higher than ever before, I believe. And, and what I want at work, um, something I can attach myself to be a proud of, and I want to be part of a team. Early in my career, I assumed everybody thought like I did. They don't. But what we are trying to create is a company with a purpose that people are, are essentially proud to attach themselves to and lean into. That's the starting point. But then, you know, authentic leadership is talked a lot about these days. And I have that as one of my principles to lead authentically. And to me, what it means is you have to be trustable. The word humble is overused, I think, Dan, but to me, it it reflects the fact that there's a curiosity there, that you start in a conversation with another employee that you don't know everything, and you're in an active listening and learning mode. And that's the kind of base foundation of, of human interaction that we try to build in the Brooks culture here. It builds trust. Underneath that, of course, you know, having integrity and being trustable and respecting each other. So that's baseline stuff. But when you think about it, all great teams have that trust for teammates. And again, I think business is a team sport. So foundationally, to lead authentically reflects that curiosity and a trustability at a human to human level. That's the core of our culture. Trust is the key. It's like the currency that managers and their leaders exchange upon. We actually did a big study on trust. And what we found is that people think trust needs to be earned, not given. But I've talked to like a lot of leadership gurus over the year, and they actually think the opposite is true. Yeah, I think it's it's a two-way street. People have to opt into a team and choose to be a part of it. And leaders have an obligation to create clarity and, and consistency, lest they won't be trustable or followable. I think I've often thought about that in in terms of what authentic leadership is, that focus and follow ability, which isn't obviously a word, Dan, but I think about that a lot is as a steward of an organization, you can't end up in the rocks in left field, right? You've got to point the organization the right way, but then that engagement and interaction between the folks is where all the execution comes from. That's why companies today, I think, are people-driven, are culture-driven, because it's all about execution, at least in our category, it is. Absolutely. And what's your best piece of career advice? 
as a young person, I was not fully formed as a leader. So in my 20s and even 30s, work around smart people. I mean, if you can get in, I think, continuous learning. The most successful people I know today are people that are still learning. So in these early days of your career, this was true for me, set yourself up to be around people that you can learn just tons from on the fly. And I had so many people mentor me that didn't know they were mentoring me. I was just watching how they made decisions, how they interacted with people, how they ran meetings, how they communicated. And so I think early in, in your career, that's just key is to learn from other people that are really good at what they do. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Jim. To follow his journey, you can read his book, Running With Purpose, and find him on LinkedIn and Twitter, where he shares his appearances, travels, and running advice. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Dan and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>